Amen. Thank you, Pastor Kim. How's everyone doing? You guys enjoying this fall weather? There's two kinds of people in this world. There's those that turn on their AC and heat right away. You're not here, okay? And then there's those who say, I don't care, right? Or say, I, I want to conserve that. And they hold it, right? They don't turn it on. How many of you guys don't turn it on like you wait? You, how many are like, I don't care. I turn it on as soon as I feel cold or I'm hot, right? Yeah. It's too, well, we're in that weather, right? We wake up, it's like 38 degrees. Today's going to be 71. Like, we, welcome to Colorado, baby, right? <laughs> Well, my name is Pastor Jake, and it's a pleasure to be here. If this is your first time, I want to welcome you. We also want to welcome those that are tuning in online as well. We've been in a series called uh, The Unseen War, right? The Invisible Battle. We've been talking about spiritual warfare. And uh, if you haven't t- tuned in or caught any of the series, I want to encourage you to go back and listen to uh, all the messages because th- this is just one of those series that will be applicable all throughout time, man. You can go back, whether you're going through a spiritual battle or you're just, get ready if you're not, right? <laughs> you're going to go through one, and, and so it's very applicable. We've been in the book of Ephesians last week, and we've been talking about, this is a letter that Paul wrote to a church that was really going through this, and thank God that um, he didn't just let us fight an invisible battle all by ourselves, right? And just say, hey, go fight naked, man. Like, have fun with that. You know, he says, no, 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 let me equip you. Let me give you some tools so that you can actually fight this battle with some substance, right? Uh, And and we started unpacking some of those three parts of the armor last week. Today, we're going to finish it up with the last three pieces. So if you got your Bibles, we've been in Ephesians chapter 6. Paul writes this in verses 13. You can follow along. He says, therefore, take up the full armor of God. Not half of it, not part of it. Take up all of it, the full armor of God. Why? So that you'll be able to resist when the times are evil. How many know it can get evil, right? And after you have done everything to stand firm. Stand firm then. Buckle the belt of truthfulness we talked about around your waist. And put on the breastplate of righteousness. Strap up your feet in readiness with the good news of shalom or peace. And above all, which doesn't mean this is more important than, okay, he's just saying when the battle gets fierce, right? Take up the shield of faith with which you will be able to extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Would you pray with me? Father, as we dig into your word It's alive, it's living. And it's so easy for us to just download information in our age, to come here and just get some points, uh, put it on our checklist and say, you know, hey, done this, done that, let's move on to the next thing. God, as we're talking about spiritual warfare, these are things that that, um, we've talked about since the beginning of time, it feels like. And yet we still need to put these on. We still need to take them up. We still need to apply them. And and there's some nuance in there. It changes from season to season. So help us. Translate this, God, so that when we walk out of here, we feel fully equipped and ready for the battle, whether we're in it or whether we're going into it. In your name we pray. And everyone said? Amen. Amen. N.T. Wright uh, writes a commentary on the New Testament. He's one of my favorite theologians, and he's writing about this particular verse uh, on the armor of God, and this is what he writes in his commentary. He says, for some reason, 
Almost whenever I write about passages like this one, dealing with spiritual warfare, I run into problems. <laughs> and I don't know about you, but this has been a common thread when you talk about spiritual warfare. Problems happen. Weird things show up. I've talked to some of you even this week. I'm telling you, we've been doing this series for a couple weeks now, and, and the strangest things have happened this week. Uh, and I've only been teaching the two weeks, but every time I go to sit down and I write this message, something pulls me away. Something distracts me. Last week, we had the internet in this, not just our building, the whole block here went out for a whole day. How many of you know we need the internet? We depend on this. People have been getting sick. Little things have been happening. Last night I was teaching and the mic kept going out here and there. Do you know what I'm saying? Problems just happen. Strange things. And, and Paul is saying in the book of Ephesians, he's saying, listen, you've got to put on a different perspective. You can't just see this one dimensionally. There are things that are going on, things that we wrestle with, things that we struggle with that aren't flesh and blood. They're principalities, they're powers. The worldly forces, right? Spiritual forces in this heavenly places. They're at work and they work through some of our physical things, but they're not our enemy. As the summer was coming on this, this last season here, me and my wife experienced some of those spiritual warfare battles. It wasn't, there's a, there's a story when David takes the, the kingdom from Saul and the kingdom's about to split, like it's on a hinge. And it says that the Philistines at the time, you know, the supposing people had an opportunity to go and take advantage of this, right? And really take the split and, and, and separate the two kingdoms. And it says when they went to go attack them that the Philistines spread out when they attacked them. It wasn't this... Goliath, right? It wasn't a front, you know, all in and one attack. It was this spread out attack. And, and as we were leading into the summer, I felt like I didn't know it at the time, but me and my wife were under some spiritual warfare. And it was just these little attacks. Just a thing here, a thing there, a weird thing here. And, and here's what it did to me. And I, and I realized this, we see this on the hindsight, right? 2020, we see it on the other side of it. We go, I knew now what I didn't know then was it was causing a catharsis. What's the word I'm looking for? Catharticism, right? There we go. Oh, work. A lulling. And I felt like the, the Holy Spirit told me in this season and said, listen, it's like you're, you're being bitten by not just one giant spider, Okay, but a bunch of little spiders. And it's lulling you to sleep. And it's causing this just kind of meh, right? And the Holy Spirit spoke this. And, and here's what I remember the Holy Spirit saying in this season. He said, you need to do something drastic. You need to wake up. 
When I was going to college, I would come home from Texas and I'd drive home and I had this little uh, Mazda 6 6 and the cruise control was broken on it. And so I drove all by myself and you know, you'd, get, you'd get tired, right? I'm driving 12 hours, 13 hours straight and, and you just get a little tired. And, and I don't know if you've been in the situation, but you start doing some things to wake yourself up, right? You crank the radio, you put on the AC, that didn't work. I rolled down the windows, right? You gotta get, you gotta wake up. And I felt like the Holy Spirit was saying, you need to wake up. You know what happened? I didn't. You know, sometimes you just, it's like these little bites and you just go back to sleep. And I felt this. Have you ever felt that before? Like, I know I should do this. And this is how spiritual warfare works many times. It's not, it's not the same formula all the time. It's not the same strategy that the enemy uses. He comes in different ways because he knows your vices. He knows how to get to you. And it wasn't like I was in this 911 spiritual rescue moment. It was just like cathartic. Right? It was just, eh. And the Holy Spirit was trying to get through, and I just was like, eh, you've been there. I've been there before. And, and this is what Paul is talking about. He, when, when he gives the armor, and last week we, we talked about the first three pieces of armor. These are armor that we're always supposed to have on. Here's, here's a list of it. Go ahead and bring that up. Those first three, the, the belt of truthfulness, the, the breastplate of righteousness, the sandals of readiness, of the gospel of peace. These are things that a Roman soldier always had on. These next three pieces, these were the shield, the helmet, the sword. These were things that you took up when the battle began to heat up. When the battle is no longer just like, hey, we're on our way to the war. We're on our way to the battle. It's no, no, no. It's battle time. Take up. Take up this armor. And this is what Paul's talking about. The first piece of armor that he gives us is the shield of faith. And here's what the shield of faith does for us, okay? And, and what's amazing about this is you can, man, there are thousands of books on this topic, on all the armor of God. You can do a heavy, deep dive on all of them, and you could probably get a thousand things. We're going to breeze through just three of them, and I'm, you, you could go way even deeper on this. But the question is that you need to ask while we're going through this is, Holy Spirit, what are you saying to me? What is applicable to me right now in my battle? What is your battle? What is the battle that's in front of you right now? Is it a bunch of tiny spread out battles? Is it a full front giant? Paul says it's time to take up arms. The shield of faith, it does two things. It diffuses and it fuses. Everyone say diffuses. Fuses. Say fuses. fuses. Ephesians chapter 6, 16 says, above all, Take up the shield of faith. Why? With which you'll be able to extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Now, this is interesting because, you know, flaming arrows, no one uses a flaming arrow, you know, in close proximity, do they? Like, you're not in battle, right? And that's dumb, right? Like, a flaming arrow is, whoa, did you, see, did you see that? Whoa, there's another one. Oh my word, there's a fire over there. Like, it's from a distance, doesn't it? You don't know where it comes from. Why does Paul use fire here? This was a common thing the Romans used. A flaming arrow just wasn't meant for one person. It was meant to cause a lot of destruction. 
But also when you study fire, especially how Paul uses it in the New Testament, fire represents in the scriptures a lot of testing, right? A, 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 a trial that you go through. Fire is interesting because the same thing that can cook a steak to perfection, out of control can also burn it to a crisp. The enemy's intent for a fire is to destroy, is to flame, right? It's to burn up. God, though, has this interesting thing where he can take that, and if you listen to him, you can actually use it for your benefit. The same fire that can cause a, a wildfire in the hills of Colorado, California, can also warm your house and keep you cozy next to the warm fireplace. And it all depends on how you use it. Does this make sense? And Paul says, here's what's interesting is, is the shield of faith can do something for you. He calls it a shield of faith. So he says, uh, uh, the Roman shield, just like this one, well, you know, had many kind of functions, but the main function that Paul's using it for is he says it diffuses. It can extinguish the flames of the fiery darts that the enemy sends. And this is a, actually a pretty good replica. It's a little bit smaller. It would have been about four foot tall, two foot wide, made of wood, Right, And it was curved for a reason. I know a lot of movies you see it's kind of flat. And in the period that Paul was using it, this reference, it would have been this curved. It was made of, of metal, but then covered in leather. And then the day before the battle, what they, they would do is they would soak this thing in water. And that leather would, would hold that water. Why? So that when you line up and the, whoa, did you hear that? Whoa, that flame. Did you, ooh, it's getting hot. The battle's coming close. What would happen? One, because this was curved, those arrows would fling off. It would bounce right off it. But also, it would hit this. If it did happen to stick, that leather, that, that water would soak up that, that fire and diffuse it. Are you with me? Yes. And Paul says that it diffuses it and that the shield he calls is faith. What is faith? Like, when we look at it, it's so easy to, to get into our Christianese, right? And go, well, faith is, you know, what we believe. And it's easy to think that. I, I understand that. But faith is so much more than that. Faith is faithfulness. Faith is faith in action. See, Paul is saying, listen, when the flames come, when the trials come, when the tribulations come, and they will come, the one thing that will diffuse that is faith, is taking what you believe and translating into what you do, right? Jesus, remember, he says, don't build your house on the sandy land. Remember the song, don't build it too near the shore, right? And we hear that and we go, oh, you got to build your, 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 your faith on, on the rock. That's not what Jesus says. He says, those who listen to my words and do them, is like the person who builds their house on the rock. There's a stability that when the fire comes, when, when the winds come, you can hold. Do you remember when Jesus is, is on the boat and the storm comes and he falls asleep? Imagine that scene. Like the experienced fishermen that do this for a living are freaking out, which you know it's gotta be serious trial, right? Like if they're freaking out, 
And they're like, does Jesus even care if we're going to die? And Jesus is just snoozing. Like, it's pretty bad at this point. And they wake Jesus up, right? He calms the storm. And what does he tell them? He, he asks them a question, actually. He says, where is your faith? Now, I always read that and I thought, he's saying, oh, you have little faith. Like, man, you guys don't have any faith. That's not what he's saying. He's saying, where is your faith? Your faith is on you. This is the moment to use it right? It's like when you go to a show, a game, when you're traveling in the airport and, and you, hey, where's your ticket? You're about to go through the, you know, the ticket. Where's your ticket? Now's the time we use it. Ticket time, ticket. You're like, oh, now's the time. This is what Jesus is saying. Is now is, this was an opportunity. It's an opportunity for you to actually experience your faith. Put your faith in action. He says, that's the kind of thing, Paul is saying, that will diffuse the flaming arrows. James 2.19 says that even the demons believe. Like You can have a great theology. Demons have a great theology. Satan has a great theology. He knows it. Do you actually put it into practice? Because the best theology, you know what beats any theology? Walking on water. Right? It's faith in action that Paul says it diffuses it. Okay, but it also does something else. The shield of faith does something else. Is it fuses you. You go, that seems kind of counterintuitive. Well, if you understood how the shield was used, a lot of times we see Roman culture and wars and we think this was, a, this was an item to fight with. This is actually would have been like 16, 20 pounds. Imagine like wet wood, some metal. Like that's 20 pounds of heft there that you're carrying. You're not flinging that around using it as a weapon. It's for defense, right? But it also does something really incredible. And if you know it, it's the, the Roman soldiers, when they would head into the battle, as they were just about to go and meet the opponent, the leader would call out, testudo, testudo. And everyone knew, okay, get in formation. And what they would do is they'd line up the front those in the front would stick their shields in the ground and they would hide behind it. And those in the back would come up over them and hold their shields over them and they would link arms this way. Testudo, let me show you a picture of what it would look like. You see that? Testudo is where we get the, the root word uh, for, um, for a turtle, a tortoise, right? You see it right there. This was... No one could penetrate. Like, could you imagine an army coming to this? There's movies out there that, are, that show this depicted. Like, you, you can hack, you can, you're, not, you're barely getting through that thing. But the key is, is you gotta link up. You gotta be together. And I think Paul uses this as part of an image too, is you've gotta be fused together. The worst thing you could ever do as a Roman soldier was go it alone. Take your shield and just go out there all by yourself. Hey! Good luck! Because it was about linking arms. It's about creating that protection in numbers. When the battle gets fierce, when the battle begins to rage, who are you linking up with? Now, I'm not talking about just, you know, some community. I'm talking about the, the person, the people in your life that you can call at two in the morning and say, I need your help. We need that. Jesus had that. There was the 72, 
right, that, that followed him. There was the 12 disciples that really followed him. And then there was the three disciples that he was really close with. If Jesus needed that testudo, how much more do we need it? Who are you linking arms with? Are you doing this all by yourself? It wasn't meant for that. You're doing it, un, it's an unwise way to fight. Shield of faith. The other part that he uses is the helmet of salvation. The helmet of salvation does two things. It protects and it directs. Everyone say protects yes. and directs. Yes. Ephesians chapter 6 verse 17 says this. And take the helmet of salvation. The helmet of salvation. Uh, in, in the Latin, there was, they used the word galia. And galia just meant head covering. Now, I want to show you a picture of an actual helmet that a Roman soldier would have used. They found this from excavations. And you can see that a helmet really does one purpose. It's made of bronze and other metals. Inside is leather to kind of make it a little bit more comfortable. It comes down off the sides there, and it protects the side of your head. It protects the overall top of your head. And it even shoots out in the back to kind of protect your neck and give you some mobility as you're fighting. And what this allowed you to do is that while, you were, while the battle was starting to break down, right, the testudo begins to, to you know, lose its effect, and now you're going more hand-to-hand. The helmet did one thing. It protected your head, protected your brain. I, I would say this, that the, the helmet of salvation does one thing. It, it's, it's talking about how we think. Why is this important? How you think affects how you fight, doesn't it? Have you ever had a soundtrack, a song that you just got caught in your head and just for a week, you just over and over and over, whether you like it or not, you're like, oh, oh just over and over, you hear that song. Have you ever had that? Have you ever had that with a thought? Good or bad? Well, I'm no good. I just, I'm a failure. I am what my boss always says. Right? And, and you just, it's like it's on repeat and it just plays over and over and over. How you think affects how you fight. And Paul says that to put on, to protect this, how we think, you put on the helmet of salvation. Now, we hear that word, and once again, the Christianese kind of kicks in. And you go, salvation? What does that mean? Like when I got saved, right? Because that's kind of how we use it. I got saved in January 1977, right? We go, that was, and we, we, we mean it in the terms of that was the day that, that I laid down my sin and I, I went to Calvary and Jesus became my Lord and King, right? And, and that's correct. You would be correct in saying that. But how does that work when we're talking about a helmet of salvation, it's a limited way that we think of salvation. Salvation, another word for it is deliverance. Everyone say deliverance. deliverance. Like the image is like, you know, you're in the middle of battle. It's heating up and, and someone swoops in. Let me rescue you. Let me pull you away. Let me save you. And, and what Jesus did on the cross is he did save us, right? He, 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 he stopped the punishment. We could never fully pay back, Right? the penalty for sin that me and you lived with. And Jesus stepped in and said, I'll pay. I will pay for that. I know he can't afford it. She can't afford it. 
but I'll step in and do that. But once you do that, that's not it, right? Because even though positionally our righteousness is covered, we still struggle living righteously. And so when, we, when Paul's talking about salvation here, he's talking about a past, a present, and a future salvation or deliverance. In the past, if you said yes to Jesus, your salvation is covered. Your, 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 uh, your entrance into heaven, right? Your, your sin was covered from there and from then on. But now in the present, we're still working out all the gunk that our heart and our flesh still wrestles with. And God promises us that he will work us through that process. The scriptures tell us, you know, work out your salvation, your deliverance. So God is helping us when he saved us, he's saving us, and then one day it says that Jesus will return and this fallen earth this creation and our fallen flesh and our bodies and our sin will be fully redeemed and made whole again. Shalom is the word he's used. Everything as it should be. What started in the garden will end in the garden one day. And so we have that to hope to. Does that make sense? How does this work with salvation? It's, it's almost a reminding. It's, it's, it's Paul saying, listen, when the soundtracks, the bad soundtracks are, are amped up, you need to learn to turn them down and turn up the right soundtrack. What's that? I'm saved. I'm being saved. And guess what? In the end, I win. We win. I'm saved. Thank God. I'm in the process of being delivered, of being saved. And and in the end, I win. This is what allows guys like Paul to go like, I can go through trials and tribulations and shipwrecked and being whipped and being stoned. And it doesn't matter. It pales in comparison. Why? Because my helmet of salvation, the soundtrack's being jacked up right now that says, I'm saved. I'm being saved. And one day, oh. I'm going to experience more than I ever have here. Let me give you an example. Last night, uh, I, I finished the message. I went home, man, and I, I like I told you, th- weird things have been happening this week. I've been struggling physically, you know. And I ended the message and just <clears throat> I had a soundtrack amped up in my head. It was man, that was rough last night. I wasn't happy, right? And, and if you're a good teacher, you know, you're always a little discontent. You're always like, what, what can I fix? And, you know, what can I? But, man, it just felt like the enemy was just cranking up this soundtrack. Like, no one heard. Like, you were just spitting information. I'm like, oh. How we think matters how we fight. There's a song that came to mind. A literal song. Stephen Chris Chapman wrote it years ago. <clears throat> and I started to, to just quote this back. I know my Redeemer is faithful and true. Everything that he said, he will do. And in the morning, his mercies are new. For my Redeemer is faithful and true. 
I began to sing that, and as I began to sing that and say that, I began to think of my life and all the things that God has been faithful, all the things that he has saved me from, all the messes that I made that he rescued me and redeemed, all the fires that could have burned my life, and he took them and actually used them in my life to strengthen me. For I know my Redeemer is faithful and true. And I began to sing that over and over and I began to turn that soundtrack up. And when I did, my perspective changed. Are you with me? Yes. It doesn't matter. Like in the end, God, look what you've done in my life. Look what you're going to do in my life. Look what I can look forward to. Oh, you're so good. This is why when the disciples say, Jesus, teach me to pray. The first thing he says, right, is... Our Lord, hallowed be thy name. Put your perspective on him. That's why we sing, God, how great you are, how mighty you are. When you shift your perspective and you begin to see, God, you've saved me, you're saving me, and one day, man, I'm gonna be whole. It's so easy to, to hear the other soundtrack, but now you go, no, I'm turning that down and I'm cranking this one up. That's a helmet of salvation. It protects, but it also directs. I, I want to show you a picture of, of a movie depiction of, of a Roman soldier in battle. And you could see this helmet's a little different than the one I showed you, right? What's different about it? You see something on top in one of those, right? You could see in other historical pictures, they're plumes, it's feathers, right? And it was to mark the leader that was leading the group. And I think this is something else that Paul is saying is not only does it protect, right? But it also directs. When the battle's getting fierce, when the battle's getting intense, when, I, when things are starting to get a little crazy, what, do I, what can I do? I can put my head up, I can look around, and I can look where's my leader. Where's the leader? What is he doing? I need to follow him. He knows what to do. He knows what we can do. He knows the plan. I don't have to know the whole plan, right? I don't want to know the whole plan. But I need to know sometimes what the next step is. And so I put my head up and I, I go, where's the leader at? When I was young, a little kid, if you grew up in Denver uh, and it began to snow, you, you, you might have experienced this. My dad used to take us in our little Honda Civic. It was a little hatchback, little red guy, man. It was so much fun. And he'd load us in this thing and we'd head down to the church parking lot. You, you remember the church parking lot over there? And, and it, it would accumulate with a couple inches of snow and he'd sit and he'd rev that engine and then all of a sudden he'd gun it, just floor it. And then about halfway through the parking lot, he'd hit the brake pull the emergency brake, swing the wheel as hard as he can, and gravity would suck us to the side of the car. We'd be like, oh, oh, oh. Anyone experience this? I love it, man. As a little kid, man, it was freaky, <laughs> right? It's, it's totally out of your control. You know, you're like, is this okay, you know? Are we going to crash? What's going to happen? Like, I don't know what's happening. The only way that I knew, that I knew that I knew that everything was okay was while I'm peeled up against the glass, <laughs> I'd look over at my dad and I'd see him giggling and smiling. <laughs> yeah. 
And I knew it was okay. Everything was fine. Everything was in control. When the battle gets fierce, when, when it gets chaotic, when it gets wild, look up and where is your leader? Where is Jesus? Listen, it gets so easy in this life to get busy doing good things. And you get caught up in just the minutia and the day-to-day. But in those seasons, there are times that you just need to peek up and go like, I, I don't know what I need to do next. There's Jesus. That's what he's doing over there. I'm going to go over there. I don't care what I'm doing. I'll abandon this. I'll leave it over there. I'll go follow the leader. Where's his helmet? Where's his helmet? There it is. That's what I need to do. If you're in a situation where the battle's just hot and you're like, I don't know left from right right now. I don't know what to do next. Where did you see Jesus last? Focus on that. Find that. Go to the scriptures and read that. That's where your salvation is. Are you with me? Helmet of salvation. The last thing uh, Paul gives us is the sword of the Spirit. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 17. And take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Now, in those days, there were uh, two items that, two different swords that a Roman soldier would carry. There was the pugio, or the dagger, and then there was the gladius, or the short sword, they called it. And the short sword would be carried on your belt that we talked about last week. And the pugio sometimes was strapped to your leg or sometimes your belt too. And it was just a shorter, it was just a short sword, a shorter sword. <laughs> Learning to talk today. And when Paul talks about this in the, the armor, he says that it's the sword of the spirit. The, the Greek word for that translates to short sword. They're both short swords, <laughs> literally defined. A gladius is not your long spear that other people would use. It was a shorter sword. And the pugio was an even shorter dagger. So what was he using? What can we define? What can we dig into? The truth is that you could dig all you want. Like, we don't know. <laughs> we don't know. It was one or the other. I'll tell you why I think it was the pugio. Why I think it's the dagger. Because as you go through each piece of armor, it seems that Paul is almost getting closer and closer and closer to the enemy. Right? You're in, you're in the testudo, you're in formation, you use the shield, it's a little bit more distance, right? Then you get to the helmet, you're more in close combat, right? When, when you're in real close combat, how easy is it to pull out a, a gladius? <laughs> you could lose that. It'd be hard to even pull out, but when you're wrestling, like Paul says here, wrestling, when you're that close, this is the last resort. Yep. It's the very last thing you grab. This is your last weapon. It's the dagger, the pugio. I think that's what Paul's talking about here. And, and you know, when we look at Jesus... He goes through this incredible trial. Remember, he gets baptized, and God rips open the heavens, and he said, this is my son whom I love, with whom I'm well pleased. Oh, how Jesus must have hung on to that. Because it says he was led right into the desert for 40 days of fasting, 
and trials and tribulations. Talk about spiritual warfare. One of the things the devil comes and does is he approaches him and he says, first thing he tells him, if you are the son of God, wait a minute, you just were told, you're just, yeah. Isn't this what the enemy does? Just like, you know what? It's that head game, right? It's the soundtrack of going like, am I the son of God? I know God just said that, but man, I'm really struggling here. I'm really in the battle. Wouldn't God come rescue me? Wouldn't he help me in this situation? Oh man, if you are the son of God is the first thing he approaches. The mental games that must have played. He says, check this out. He goes, why don't you, and he takes him to the top of the temple and he says, why don't you just throw yourself down? And it says this, he goes, he goes it says that the angels will come and won't let your feet touch the ground. Now, if you read that and you study it, that's scripture, Psalms 91. The devil knows scripture, but the devil didn't use it in context. The devil took it out of context. And he said, if you do it and not touch your feet there and and everyone sees basically, you don't have to go the cross. Everyone would know you're the son of God then, right? It's a shortcut. It's an easy way. You don't have to suffer, man. Totally takes it out of context. And what does Jesus do? It's the last, last resort. He uses scripture. For it is written. For it is written. Now, Jesus didn't go, hold on, devil. It says here in Deuteronomy... here. It was here. This is where the word came from. This is where the sword was pulled out in the, in the heat of battle. It came out of him to attack. What comes out of you when the pressure's on? Is it certain words? <laughs> or is it the right word? For it is written, Jesus says, Thou shalt not test the Lord God. And the devil flees. He's, he's, he's helpless. There's an authority when we use the scriptures. There's an, this is why Paul, he doesn't give, if you saw the armor, there was a lot of different weapons he could have used to illustrate. He gives one weapon, the rest is defense. One weapon, he says, that you can use when the battle gets heated up. The word of God. Pull it out. Are we pulling it out? Do we use it? Because here's what I found out. The word there that, that Paul uses is, there's, two, there's a lot of different Greek translations for the word, word of God. One of them is rhema, you may have heard this before, or lagos. Okay, lagos is the most common word used in, in the New Testament when talking about the word of God, right? And it means the literal word, okay? But Paul uses here a different, he uses the word rhema, which is kind of translated the active word. It's a little different. The best way to kind of put it without going too nerdy on you is, is you know, the, the logos word is like, a, imagine a stockpile of weaponry. Like it could be used at any time. It's loaded, man, it's potent. But the rhema word is someone taking one of those weapons and actually actively using it. 
Does that make sense? It's alive, it's active. There's nothing more powerful in this world than, than the word of God. And it's active. It's the, it's the word, it's the scriptures active. It's also something much more. So because of that, uh, Paul says in uh, Hebrews 2, chapter 4, verse 12, for the word, which is rhema, he uses of God, is living. It's active and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing right through a separation of soul and spirit, joints and marrow, and able to judge the thoughts and intentions of the heart. It's active. So we can say this, when Paul says the sword of the spirit, that it's actually through the spirit that we see this word, this active rhema being used as a weapon. You can break this into two different ways that we use the word. One is a word from God is directly given or two, the word of God is recalled. And we use that word to fight the battle. Does that make sense? So there's scripture, there's scripture that is recalled like Jesus did that we use in battle. But then there's also word that God speaks to you. Maybe it's a prophecy, maybe it's it's a it's a word that in a season in a battle you go, I know that I know that I know that God spoke to me. Let me give you an example of both of them. Are we good? Yep. Martin Luther King, 1957, January. He's leading a peaceful protest in Alabama. He's living there. And for two months of doing this protest, he's getting death threats. Okay? He's either hearing them directly or through his aides, he's hearing these death threats. One night he gets a phone call. He picks up the phone and someone on the other end says, if you don't leave here, your house, in three days, I'm going to blow your brains out and I'm going to blow up your house. Hangs up. Later, he would use, talk about this in a message that he preached. And he would say, I was scared. Fear, anxiety. Can you imagine? I mean, he said, I began to think of how can I get out of, how can I leave here without being a disgrace or seem, seeming, you know, like I'm fearful of something? He says, I sat there at the kitchen table. I couldn't go back to sleep. I made a cup of coffee and I kind of wallowed in this kind of anxiety and this fear. And all of a sudden, I felt God speak to me. Not audibly, he says. But he said, continue what you're doing. It is right righteous for I will always be with you I will never leave 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 you is what he hears does that sound like a scripture you know so sometimes the rhema word is active it's something that God spoke to you and it's recalled, and you, and you can use that as a weapon. Two months later, <laughs> he would, his house would actually be bombed. And he'd come to the house, and it was chaotic. There were people on his side that were just ready to take arms. They had weapons. They were ready to riot. It, it was like, let's go. You know what he did? Coming out of that word, he stood on his own porch and he said these words. He said, people, listen, 
Those who live by the sword, die by the sword. Go home. What we do is peaceful. If you know your scriptures, those are the exact words that Jesus used when Peter chopped off the ear of the Roman soldier and thought the battle was about a sword and a fight. Jesus said, no, 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 no. Those who live by the sword will die by the sword. What did he do? A word was recalled in that moment, a word that was marinated in his heart. It came out. And that's how the word, the active word, the rhema word can come out of you. And when the battle gets fierce, that's what we attack with. That's what we stab with. That's what we can use the authority with. So I'm in the summer and I'm in this lull, man. And I know that God had spoken to me some direction, what to do in this. Wake up. Do something drastic. Fast. Do something to wake up in this. But I went back to sleep. I just kind of, like I said, it wasn't, it wasn't like I took this dip. It was just, meh. I'm not on Instagram a lot, <laughs> but I have an Instagram account. And every once in a while, I check on it, and I got this message from a well-known pastor that I know. I don't know him personally, but it's someone I follow. It's the weirdest thing. I get this message from this well-known pastor, and he says, I'm looking over your Instagram, and I sense that you're in a battle, a fierce battle that's trying to lull you. And I feel like the Lord says, you need to do something drastic. You need to fast. And I'm like, I don't even know. How does he even know? What is going on? I'm looking. I'm like, this has to be fake. This is some scam. Like I'm looking through. It's, it's his feet. I do, I'm, I'm looking through it. And I'm like, and all of a sudden as I read that, the word comes alive again. That word. You've been lulled asleep. Those spiders, those little thousands of bites, those spider bites have lulled you to sleep and, and you need to wake up. You need to do something drastic. You need to fast. You need to wake your heart up. I said, okay, man, I can't tell you. The cloud that I was in, how that pierced through that so hard and so fast, it was the word, the rhema, the active word, once again, cutting through. It was like the battle was kind of, oh, and I was, I was losing. But I had one last weapon, and the Holy Spirit said, here you go. I said, let's do this. I put my faith in action. I stepped out. I said, let's wake up. Oh, man, wake up. You know what's weird? <laughs> a day, a couple days later, I looked at the Instagram. I've never seen this. Maybe you on Instagram can tell me if this is even possible. That Instagram feed, whoever that, that pastor that I know, it switched. It wasn't him. It was, it was literally switched. It was in some account. It was a different account. I'm like, what? I know who it was. I felt... Like, I needed to tell you that there are some of you that are in the battle right now and you're asleep. 
It's not like your spiritual life is plummeting, but it's like a thousand spider bites. And I'm here to tell you to wake up. Wake up. Wake up. There's a battle going on. Every time that God presses forward, the enemy will oppose, will try to resist. And he's not going to use the tactics that you think he will use. He's a deceiver. But you need to wake up. You've got to fight the battle. You've got to put on your armor. Would you stand with me? Here's what I want to do. If you're here, would you just, in this moment, just close your eyes? And if you're, just get the sense, whether it's, it's a fierce battle that you're in, you're just starting to go through a battle, you feel weird things are going, I don't know what it is, what your situation is, what your story is, but if you're here this morning, you say, man, I'm going through a battle right now, would you just raise your hands, I just want to, yeah, oh man, there's a ton, yeah, yeah, you can put it down, here's what I want to do, I want to pray a blessing over you, I want to pray a blessing of this armor that you would be putting it on, that there'd be an anointing as you put it on. But before we do that, I want to take a moment to pause and I want to give you some room because maybe even while I was teaching, a scripture came to mind. A word that God gave you came to mind. Maybe it was years ago that you got it. Maybe it was a scripture that you haven't read or thought about in years and all of a sudden just something about it came to the top. I want you to meditate on that in this, in this quietness, in this, in this space right here, because the Holy Spirit's giving you that as a weapon, as a dagger, as a sword, and you need to hold on to it. You need to recall it. You need to use it. Don't let it sit there dormant, gathering dust. What is that word? Holy Spirit, in this space, would you speak to your people? Speak to your church. Recall those words, God, that have been dormant, that have been so quiet. Maybe they're even starting to question that. Maybe it's even a calling that you've given them, God. Let that word be used as a dagger right now in the enemy's face. He has no authority. We've won the battle. The help has come. God is the stronger one. Church, I pray a blessing over you. May the Lord keep you. <laughs> May the Lord cause his face to shine upon you. As you take up the armor when the battle is fierce. Oh, may the shield of faith, you living out, God, your beliefs as they do that, would you bless them? Would you give them favor, God, in that? Would they see things that, they, that people would never believe because they stepped out of the boat? God, would you encourage those with the helmet of salvation that they're saved, they're being saved, and one day they're gonna be made whole? And God, would you give them power with this weapon that you give us, the most powerful thing in the universe, your word. May we use it to fight 
back at the devil. And may they be encouraged. May they walk with their head held high because of that. Do this. In your name, Jesus Christ, we pray. Everyone said? Amen. Amen. Thanks, guys.